Mutability. Welcome to Nature's Lead. This is a podcast available at naturesleadcom that both examines and inspires a certain approach towards life that is based both on personal philosophies and on the writings of people such as Emerson and Thoreau. Please send any feedback to info at naturesleadcom or drop a comment on to either the blog or on to iTunes. This is Series 1, Episode 23, Title, The Breeze of Happiness. Welcome, everyone. In this episode, I look at the transient potential of happiness and read from a beautiful poem by Coleridge. So we'll get to that in a second, but first, today's random window. Recently, as I ate lunch each day in the cafe at work, up on the high second story, I saw this small hummingbird's nest, which was high in its tree, but only four feet across from me out the window. Their nests are very small and blend into the branch like a pine cone. The mother hummingbird was busy flying in and out. There was this immediate feel of importance wrapped around this bird's manners and mood. I saw this for many days, but one day it was gone. I don't know if another bird got it, or a strong wind or rain, or even if it's their habit to dismantle a nest after use or even move it frequently. Certainly I could find out these last items quickly with a search, but I want to keep the mystery of it. Nature is full of mystery, and I don't want to take that away whenever I get a taste of it. On to the main topic, the breeze of happiness. The idea here is that there is no such thing as just happiness. There are times of happiness, but it is not an end destination, nor a sustainable state. It comes along as a breeze, and it eventually will dissipate. The point is simply to enjoy the breeze in life. When it's there, and maybe you created it, and maybe it just came up suddenly, you just need to soak it in. Enjoy the pleasant breeze. One of my problems has always been that I'm always imagining a state of happiness in the future. As if I do this and this and this, then I'll be perfectly happy. No. Right now, anytime the breeze comes through, that is it. That is what life affords. And I need to put more weight into the breeze. It is more significant than I give it credit. This isn't to say that we shouldn't always be working toward goals, nor that we shouldn't have a vision of where we want to be in 10 years, or whatever your thing is, and how you deal with your life path in the future. Not at all. The flaw I have is that I allow, too often, that underlying destination and its path to receive more focus than the beautiful times right in front of my face. Nature can provide this breeze more often than we probably realize. Many things I have described in previous episodes are perfect examples of this. Whether it's the chatter of birds hidden in thick trees, backlit by a nearly collapsed sun, or boulders against a hillside drenched in the orange of a certain slant of light, or simply the silence of a leafless tree stretching its fingers through the air above the snow, in the deep heart of winter. All of nature, daily, 
bubbles up her energies into these connected moments of life, of beauty, of happiness. With this turn toward nature as a source, I want to read some lines from a poem by Coleridge. This was originally written in 1797. It's called, This Lime Tree Bower My Prison. A very uplifting title, goes without saying. So let me give you a little background to dapple some light on the state of his mind here. He has friends coming to visit him, the Wordsworths were among them, and the morning of their arrival, Coleridge's wife spills a skillet of boiling milk on his foot. As a result, he wasn't able to walk with them anywhere during their entire stay. As they walked through the local woods and hillsides, he was left behind. But in this time of restriction, he used it to write this poem. Here are some lines early on where he is imagining what they must be seeing. They, meanwhile, friends, whom I never more may meet again, on springy heath, along the hilltop edge, wander in gladness, and wind down, perchance, to that still roaring dell, of which I told. The roaring dell, overwooded, narrow, deep, and only speckled by the midday sun, where its slim trunk, the ash from rock to rock, flings arching like a bridge, that branchless ash, unsunned and damp, whose few poor yellow leaves never tremble in the gale, yet tremble still, fanned by the waterfall, and there my friends behold the dark green file of long lank weeds, that all at once, a most fantastic sight, still nod and drip beneath the dripping edge of the blue clay stone. Well, the last time I had friends over, we played foosball. With descriptions like this, it makes me feel what it would be like to be there. And just by the very fact that he is describing it with so much care and delicacy of the pen makes this common walk in the woods idyllic. It becomes an end in and of itself. Those are the perfect moments we need to envelop with our hearts. And here, towards the end, Coleridge edges in toward a wonderful way of looking at things, for he suddenly sees what is right in front of him. A delight comes sudden on my heart, and I am glad as I myself were there. Nor in this bower, this little lime tree bower, have I not marked much that has soothed me. Pale beneath the blaze hung the transparent foliage, and I watched some broad and sunny leaf, and loved to see the shadow of the leaf and stem above dappling at sunshine. And that walnut tree was richly tinged and a deep radiance lay full on the ancient ivy, which usurps those fronting elms, and now, with blackest mass, makes their dark branches gleam a lighter hue through the late twilight. And though now the bat wheels silent by, and not a swallow twitters, yet still the solitary humble bee sings in the bean flower. 
Henceforth I shall know that nature never deserts the wise and pure. No plot so narrow be but nature there, no waste so vacant, but may well employ each faculty of sense and keep the heart awake to love and beauty. And sometimes tis well to be bereft of promised good that we may lift the soul and contemplate with lively joy the joys we cannot share. Now this is how to see the world. Such an inspired, brilliant outlook. We all have ups and downs. And here, in what he felt was a disadvantaged day, he realized that he could find solace. He could find beauty and inspiration. This is similar to when I talked about seeing reflections in a large puddle of water at twilight while suffering through my long commute. Nature is often there for us, but we forget. The last line is profound. Quote, No sound is dissonant which tells of life. Unquote. He's speaking literally of a, quote, rook, unquote, which is a crow, and how he saw it, quote, beat its straight path along the dusky air homewards, unquote. And he imagined it flying over his friends as it flew into the distance out of his sight. He saw that flapping bird as a connection between him and his friends. But philosophically, this idea is wonderful, and I want to always remember that life in any shape is something to bring awe to our spirit. I concentrated in this episode mostly on nature raw as a source for this breeze, but I see human nature come through in paintings and music and many things which can bring solid experiences of joy. A painting that makes you feel the energy and power of beauty and life, that is nature as true as ever. And to bring that into your life and allow yourself to be lifted, if only for the time elapsed in a full chest-tingling breath, often only requires the turn of a page, a glance at a wall, or simply a close-eyed dream into your spirit's memory of a moment's past. There are times in our lives when there is nowhere else we need to go, nothing else we need to accomplish, for we have reached a peak, no matter how fleeting, provided to us by the breeze of happiness. That brings us to a close. So until next time, I wish you well, and don't forget to follow nature's lead.